It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipittv. You're listening to BGN Radio. Westbrook dangerous every time he has his hands on the football. Westbrook takes it, looks for running room. Up to the 25, the 30, to the 35, 40, 45, midfield, 45, 40. He's going. He's going. He's going. Brian Westbrook, he's, going. he's, going. he's, he's gone. gone. Touchdown, Brian Westbrook, 84 yards, no penalty flags. I don't believe it. Brian Westbrook has just exploded, and with 116 remaining, this place is in a state of shock. So the New York Giants blow, right? Like, they just, it, everything that you look for, it's unavoidable, whether it's ESPN or you're looking on Barstool or Deadspin. It's just like any major sports outlet is like, Oh my God, what is wrong with the Giants right now? And so, given that, uh, John Barchard, for you, if you had to sum up all of the things that are going on with the Giants right now, because there's a lot, and we will get to all of them in this show, if you had to sum up the New York Giants in one single word, what is it? Crumbling. And anybody that doesn't think that this team is crumbling is not looking at it right. You're like, John, it's week three. How can they be crumbling in week three? It's really easy. The head coach who ran an offense that was got improved year after year while he was the offensive coordinator is now asked, well, should you be calling plays? Calls out his quarterback, OBJ, and all of that business that's going on in between politics and being injured, holding out, no offensive line, you know, we keep hearing desperation, and this team's going to be desperate. I haven't heard that at all from any of those guys all week. Nothing we're going to rally behind this or rally behind that. This isn't a Packers situation. I'm not calling them dead. It's a division rival. They're going to come to play. So are the Eagles. But, I mean, who are we kidding here? This team is crumbling before our eyes. Yeah, and if I had to pick a word, I would say directionless. Well, big time. Yeah, this is a team that is completely lost right now, and we'll be breaking that down here on BGN Radio, episode 262. I am Vince Quinn. 
You can find me on Twitter at It's Vince Quinn. Joined by John Barchard. At John Barchard. Uh, the normal spelling of John Barchard. <laughs> well, I don't have anything really cool and unique to say. You know, like, it's John Barchard. We should all do the it's, right? It's Vince Quinn. It's John Barchard. I mean, it's pretty good, pretty good thing. You yeah, and then we that. should like shave our heads and get tattoos. <laughs> you know, we gotta, we just gotta be uniform. Like John. a monkey. That's our biggest shot problem. into space. Yeah, we don't have uniforms. But yeah. look, uh, let's let's talk about it though, because like, look at all this stuff that's going on with the Giants right now. It's it's amazing to me that the New York Giants have fallen off this much. In, in two weeks. In just two weeks, yeah. Like, it's it's insane. And so let's start with Ben McAdoo because, for me, again, this team is directionless. And really, I mean, directionless is directionless gets. Ship, no sails, middle of the ocean. They're, they've got nothing going for them. And it does start with Ben McAdoo, a guy who he throws Eli Manning under the bus, as you mentioned. And here's the quote because uh, it was fourth and two for the Giants. By the way, it was initially first and goal at the one or the two. They were unsuccessful on three plays. And then on the fourth play, what happens is, well, play of game. And they go back five yards and they have to kick the field goal. So uh, Ben McAdoo talking about, he says, uh, well, it was sloppy quarterback play. Quarterback and center need to be on the same page there. We need to get the ball snapped. So he's calling out his quarterback. Uh, he was asked about play calling after the game. He says, well, that's something we'll look at and talk about in regards to whether or not he's going to give up play calling. Like, we're two weeks in, and the head coach, th- this isn't the offensive coordinator getting questioned, and like, yeah. it's an offensive head coach that can step in. This is the head coach who might have to give up play calling in two weeks, three weeks into the season. This is unbelievable. In 2013, the Giants were 28th in scoring points. 28th. When Ben McAdoo took over in 2014, it jumped to 13th. And Eli Manning looked like he was fresh and delicious and back, and they were ninth in passing touchdowns. 2015, that was two years ago, mind you. Not even two years ago, depending on where you look at this timeline. Sixth in points. That's a seven-rank jump. First in passing TDs. And in both years, Manning has almost three times the amount of touchdowns as he does interceptions. All we heard about leading up to Ben McAdoo's hiring was a a really control of the locker room, a leader of men. And that gets thrown around so much. It got thrown around with Bill O'Brien. And look at that situation that's down there. Stu Cubulus, I would almost say a little directionless down there. It's kind of the same thing. Like, you just get bought into Ben McAdoo is this great guy. He's been running the offense. It's going to be an easy transition until it's not, and it's not. And the crazy thing for me, Vince, is the this matchup almost defines like an alternate universe Eagles because we forget so many times that the Eagles, 100% confidently I can say this, made an offer to Ben McAdoo. Ben McAdoo was going to accept the job. The Giants called him back and said, wait, the job is yours if you want it. They had to throw away the welcome basket for Ben McAdoo. That was going to happen. Then they went down the list of guys and went, okay, I guess we'll go with our backup, backup, backup in Doug Peterson with a crazy process that we all remember, sucked a lot of ass, and we ripped it constantly on here, and we're going, what is happening? 
Why couldn't we get a guy like Adam Gase or Ben McAdoo who really understands the offense? And guess what happened, Vince? The things that we're saying right now about Ben McAdoo was said uh, almost six months ago in Cincinnati, where now we're at the point of like, hey, Doug Peterson might actually be a pretty decent call play or play caller. And you're not hearing anything like this in the first two weeks of the season other than run the ball and <sighs> snooze fest on that. We've been through that and all this week. I'm sure we'll still get into it a little bit because I still think it's important. But at the same time, like it's not like this. And imagine Ben McAdoo right now being your Eagles head coach and this happening. And let's just say Carson Wentz isn't even here. Because I get the feeling that, like, what if he just continued working with Sam Bradford? What if they never made that trade up? Who knows? It's like an, it's a weird timeline that could happen. And that's what ha- that's what happens in the NFL just like that. Like something changes. And now, again, the Eagles look like they're in a much better position moving forward. Well, yeah, and that's that's one of the biggest things with this. When I when I'm comparing now Doug Peterson, because look, Peterson's been getting a lot of crap this week. And I'm one of the people that's been critical of him when it comes to play calling and all that kind of stuff. But when you compare what's been going on with Doug and what McAdoo's been doing, I mean, it is, Peterson looks like a Hall of Famer compared to McAdoo because since week 12 of last season, they haven't scored more than 20 points Unreal. in a single game. Unreal. In a single game. And in this season, week one, how many points did the Giants score? Three. Three! Three! <laughs> how many points did they score last week? Ten! That's 13, 13 points. You know how bad it is right now for the New York Giants, John? How bad? I looked at a approval poll on Big Blue View, so the, the BGN equivalent for oh, the Giants. Yeah. The fan confidence poll of whether or not the Giants are a playoff team, the number of yes votes that they got, 22%. Unreal. And you know what the, the funny thing is? That's high. Well, it's it's <laughs> it's nine more points than they've scored this year. Yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. they are yeah. they're a complete dumpster fire. So when you compare what's going on with the Giants, how grossly ineffective they are, and you compare it to Peterson, here's the big difference, and this is why the Giants are absolutely a hundred percent a directionless organization. Doug Peterson saw what the Kansas City Chiefs had, he saw what the Eagles are good at, and he said, you know what? I'm gonna go and try to beat the Chiefs this way. I have a plan. I want to maximize my downfield shots. It was a lot of 20, 25-yard throws and, you know, no quick screens. I, I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to pass a lot. I'm going to use Sproles as my running back. I understand my personnel. That's how I'll win. Ben McAdoo, I, dear, I don't know what the hell he's doing. I mean, he's asking Madden from Madden 2003 and just being <laughs> like, listen, bud, help me out. Like, he has no idea how to use the personnel. He doesn't understand the weaknesses. He's not doing anything to work around it. And it's just, I mean, one, it's like, oh, my God, how can it possibly get so bad from a guy who's an NFL head coach and has been now for over a year? But the other thing is, it's like, oh, my God, I can't wait to play these guys. Let's yeah. go, baby. Yeah. Let's go. I'm so pumped for Sunday. Yeah, it feels like the – do you remember the time when I think the New York Post got upset that the Eagles ran a Halloween uh, – Eli Manning is is afraid of ghosts video. <laughs> and they were like, this is highly offensive, and it's a classless and all this. And then it turned out to be like the 20 to nothing shutout, and, you know, the back in black. It feel, I mean, it's a 1 o'clock game, but they might as well just take a bunch of clouds and put it over the sun because this is – I mean, I, I get it. People get worried when it was like, oh, I mean, you can't say this is going to be an easy win. You can't say that they're just going to roll in here and kick everybody's ass. Like, yeah, I mean, 
Pro- probably not. Like, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. But, you, I, I mean, it, it's at home. It's the home opener. And if I'm looking at that offensive line, forget about everything else. Like, the game's already won. The game is already won when you're considering, and even Ben McAdoo said this late today, is going to see what happens at left tackle between Eric Flowers and the two guys that they have to back up four positions and and throw it in there, which I don't really want to happen, first of all. I don't think that, I think Eric, I think there's a possibility that their backups could be better than Eric Flowers. Because that's, yeah. I mean, it is that bad. It, he is horrible. And if he's going up against Brandon Graham, oh boy, is there some Winston Justice payback coming his way. I, I And that's it. That's the game for me. I don't care if Carson throws 60 times. I don't care if Garrett Blunt runs 60. The game is won right then and there between that defensive line and the Giants' offensive line. Yeah, and their offensive line, I mean, my God. And it's not just Flowers, who, you know, first-round pick, totally tanked. He's just, he's awful. But Bobby Hart, who's the right tackle, he missed the game last week. They played him for, like, a snap and and then he was out, and they moved their left guard. So the guy who was helping to kind of shoulder the load with that terrible left tackle, well, they have to move him out to right tackle. And Good so old Justin Pugh, yeah. And so if if Hart is not in great shape, and they get him out of the game, and you got to move Pugh out to right tackle again, I mean, my God, uh, does Justin there- Pugh, by the way, who gets a, a ton of shit every time he comes into Philadelphia because that's where he grew up. And he's pretending that he didn't grow up an Eagles fan, and he like gets all pouty about it. So fuck him too. By the way, sorry. Go ahead and continue, Fitz. <laughs> well, here's the thing: Derek Barnett doesn't have a sack yet, does he? Uh, no. Well, book it this week. Yeah, exactly. I mean, really, it's just it, you look at this setup, and there is nothing that tells me that the Eagles' defensive line is is not going to just utterly destroy the Giants here. And we talked about, we were joking about it a little while ago. You were like, "Hey, uh, you know, I think." They might get like eight sacks in this game. And you know what? They might. That's not out of the realm of possibility. And that's not like being like, the Giants are bad and we are we love the Eagles. No, that's a legitimate possibility here. Like between whatever, if they run some double-A gap blitzes, if they have to get help on the outside, if there is, I think this is a great week for Jim Schwartz to run some stunts, gets the, the NASCAR package in there where Vinny Curry's at defensive tackle. Uh, I remember seeing in training camp where they have – uh, you know, Fletcher Cox and Timmy Jernigan on one side, Chris Long and Derek Barnett on the other, and have like a two split that way, which was really interesting. And it opened up Timmy Jernigan a lot of the time when they were going up against the Miami Dolphins in the joint practices. I think that would be a phenomenal idea to run against these guys and just confuse them constantly. I'm sure they can get there with old school bull, uh, bull rushes and Brandon Graham being an insanely amazing still, in my opinion, underrated between Eagles and nationally. Yeah, definitely. How good that man is. But, yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I think it is right in that wheelhouse of six to eight sacks of this game. Because when we talked last week about Alex Smith also just giving up and, and taking sacks, he was, like, something in the, at the top four of the league. Like, if you just blow on Eli Manning, he's going to go down. Well, here's the thing, too. Like, Eli Manning is in these situations where they're asking for him to get sacked, and that's Ben McAdoo's problem here. Again, he doesn't understand this offense. He doesn't know what their problems are. He doesn't know what makes them good or what could make them good because they haven't been good. How is that possible, by the way? How is that possible that that man who ran the offense, who knows the offense, who scoped the offense, doesn't know what's wrong? How is that possible? Yeah, I, it blows me away. <laughs> I mean, really, because here's the thing. 
The Giants offense, here's here's the basic numbers for you. They are 30th in the league right now in points. 13, again, 13 points in two weeks. They're 28th in yards. They don't move the ball, and they don't score. And here's what piles onto that problem. Their line sucks, and they keep trying to throw balls down the field. Sterling Shepard down the field, Marshall down the field for the few snaps that Odell Beckham played, and he didn't play a lot the other night. It's the idea of getting them down the field. You know what works for the Giants? It's short plays. It's quick slants. It's it's hooks and stuff to get guys, just get it in their hands and, and let them make a play. They don't do any of that. And when they do do it, they're like, oh, that was nice. We gained eight yards. We never do that. Let's never do that play again. <laughs> and so it's like it's mind-boggling how poorly they run this offense. And if they keep it going this way, where if you see early in this game, that the Giants are throwing the ball down the field, I mean, 15, 20 yards down the field, it's a death sentence for them. Absolute death sentence because they don't have the line to sustain it. They've got this old quarterback that's starting to get a little shell-shocked, and they're just going to beat the piss out of him. I mean, I, I feel bad for Eli Manning because they coach him so horribly right now. They coach that offense so horribly that he might actually, for the first time in his career, miss games. And and it's yeah. Ben McAdoo's fault, 100%. So for the Eagles' side, it's like, man, they, they have every opportunity to go after the quarterback and do it regularly, early, often, and with only four guys. I mean, it's the ideal situation for this defense to be in. Yeah, it, this offense pre, uh, predicates to the literal, like when we talk about the Eagles front seven, that's all they're going to see. Because just like you said, Vince, if they try to go down the field here, the game is already over if they do that point. So you're going to see short of the sticks, you're going to see everything to kind of try and counteract this rushing attack, or excuse me, this pass rush attack that is going to be in their face all night. So I'm expecting, like, forget Paul Perkins. I'm expecting Shane Vereen to be out there most times. I'm expecting uh, uh, max protection, lots of help. Like, there is this... <laughs> If you want to talk about bad running games and the the type of things that they have there and the the running back struggles that's going, I mean, like Paul Perkins is useless. When you, it's one thing to have no offensive line, it's a it's a whole new set of circumstances when you don't have a running back that can create his own yards. And guess what, folks? By the way, that's that's also the Eagles' problem is they don't have anybody other than Terrence Sproles to create their own traffic there. That's very important because we've seen, like, Minnesota's offensive line is bad. Always has been. Dalvin Cook is still able to at least produce his own yards even when it's bad in, in, in there. Uh, the same with Leonard Fournette. The Jags are not a good offensive line. That still kind of works here. Giants don't have that at all. Like, a speedy guy. I don't know what they're doing. And so, like... Okay, you're just like you said, Vince. Their only offense is down the field in OBJ. That's it. There's nothing else going on there. No, that's all they've got. And so, like, if I'm the Eagles and I'm looking at this game, and you mentioned the running game because it it really is atrociously bad. And to give you a couple more numbers here, the the Giants right now, which is totally predictable, they are last in the league in rushing yards. They are last in the league in total rushes. And and that's the thing. They're always down in games. And so they do have to pass. And they keep making these bad pass calls. And so it's just they keep digging their own grave. And it's so obvious. And they haven't done anything about it. And it's early enough in the season that it seems like they haven't figured it out yet. So Well, it, here's what's – and as you're saying all these things, like how can you have 30s? They're in the 30s in everything. 
Pretty much. <laughs> Rushing, <laughs> passing, points, nothing. All those numbers that I told you in the last two years, they did a complete 180. They went the other way. They went the other direction. Their defensive numbers went up. Their offense went down. How does that work? That's so I it's 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 mind boggling to me that that this is that Ben McAdoo has a job right now. Yeah. And so when it comes to this game and when you're game planning as the Eagles defense against the Giants, like here's what I want to see. One, you just double team Odell Beckham Jr. the whole game. Really. I mean, I, I would double team him every single snap. I'd I'd press him. I would get in his head. If it's Jalen Mills just being a menace. Uh, as much as he can to Beckham early, just because we see what happens, like when a guy like Josh Norman gets an Odo Beckham Jr.'s head, he flares up, he doesn't play the game well, and that's uh, the only weapon they've got. So I'd be aggressive with him, and I'd bracket him at all times. If Brandon, Marshall's- you know what, you know what, I, I know we were talking about it beforehand, yeah, because I was I was in agreement with you. I was like, yeah, put Mills over there, maybe have Razul Douglas because it looks like he's going to be starting this game. Now that you've said that, Razul Douglas. Just talk shit the entire game. That's all he does. He's in everybody's head every moment of every type of play, and you saw him. I was really impressed with him in Kansas City. I don't think we said that enough. If Razul Douglas is covering OBJ, there's your culprit for that. Like, he will literally get in his head time after time after time. And, you know, again, just throughout the entire camp, especially, especially during the Miami joint practices, just keep in every wide receiver's ear saying, nope, nope, hell no, uh-uh, no way, running side-by-side side with them down the field. I think Rasul Douglas should match up on OBJ this All right, week. well then, yeah, I, I, and I didn't think I would say that because, you know, the, just the idea of him being a slower guy. But, you know, if you're going to bracket him anyway and you're going to be shadowing yeah. over Odell Beckham Jr., then, you know what, yeah, let's get Frustrate him too. So get, give me Douglas on OBJ as long as you got help over the top. And then, you know, Brandon Marshall is the guy that offensively you you thought in the offseason, like, wow, that is such a big signing. I mean, this is a guy that's had 1,000 yards on, like, five different clubs. Like, he's a Hall of Famer. Brandon Marshall is legitimately great. Not anymore. Like, if you go and watch that last game, he's he's slow. He's, he's not putting in the same kind of effort. Really, he's just disinterested. I, I think that he, by week, I mean, week two wasn't even over. He's in the game. He's the main target because OBJ's hurt and he's only playing a fraction of the snaps. So Marshall's going to be the guy in that game. He doesn't give a shit. I mean, the whole game <laughs> does not care. It, it, it's half speed. And so if Brandon Marshall, the sad sack Brandon Marshall, like Randy Moss was when he was in Oakland, like if that's what you're getting, if they're going to try to beat you with that, by all means. Because he doesn't have it right now. It's going to take a miracle to get Brandon Marshall kickstarted like that. And frankly, they're not running a game plan that's going to get on the ball the right way anyway. I'm almost so, embarrassed that like I really pined really hard last year for a Brandon Marshall trade. <laughs> I was like willing to give up a lot of everything because uh, we were in that crazy time where nobody was catching anything and it was making us all go insane. Yeah, And the drop-off from just last year where he was still very productive and still like interested with a, 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 a now a backup QB that's hanging out in Tampa in Ryan Fitzpatrick and pined for him to be there with the Jets and was really interested in football is now like, yeah, just like you said, I'm good with the Showtime check with inside the NFL. I'll pick up my paycheck here. I This this team is going nowhere fast. Yeah, I would wonder if that factored into why he signed with the Giants instead of somewhere 100%, else. And, 100%. And that's the thing. So. Uh, he's clearly just not there right now, and I don't expect much from him going forward. And, you know, as much as that kills my fantasy team, so be it. <laughs> but 
But here's the thing. So we've been doing a lot of bashing, and, and rightfully so. McAdoo sucks, and therefore Eli sucks. The line we knew sucked. Brandon Marshall sucks. One guy that has impressed me is Evan Ingram. He did it. He he was used well in that game uh, just the other night. They ran him. They had one play where they set him up in the backfield, and he was basically in between the guard and the tackle on the right side. He was set up behind them both, and they ran a play action where it was. It seemed like Ingram was going to be the lead blocker, and instead, he just runs straight for the end zone. I mean, out of the backfield, just twenty yards straight down the field. They nailed him for it. And, and it was a touchdown Ingram. And he had a couple of good plays during the game. For a guy who was a first-round pick, he's shown the athleticism. He does have the size. He's shown the hands so far in both games that I've seen. And he is impressive. And that is a guy that, while you know everything is all about OBJ for them, you do have to keep an eye on, on uh, Ingram. And the other thing is, too, you consider the Kelsey factor just last week. Oh, yeah. And, like... Evan Ingram was, uh, I think, my second favorite tight end that was coming out. And Matt Daring's number one tight end coming out of uh, Miami. And when you get the attention of Darius Slay, who I think is, again, just one, a, a really, really good corner uh, in Detroit, like that is that means something. He's so fast. Like he runs like a wide receiver. So that that is the dangerous part about if he gets the ball in his hands, then, yeah, that can be a, a humongous factor. Uh, but – you know, as as Vince was saying, like it's not it's not that we want to open season on the Giants' offense. It's just hard not to. Uh, it, still, it's the same. It's the same issue and the same problem. Where I think if they had him more in those scenarios when you're talking about and finding ways to get him open, that's going to be a huge kind of uh, matchup nightmare between. You know, I don't expect Michael Kendricks to stick with him if he's on that side, or Nigel Bradham if he's on the other. Uh, maybe that's a, a again. Another good week to stick Malcolm Jenkins on there if they end up going and spreading the field out and doing things like that. But, um, yeah, Evan Ingram is is without a doubt a stud and still 100% better at playing left tackle than Eric Flowers, <laughs> and he barely knows how to do that. So, yeah, I mean, that that is their biggest offensive weapon right now, and it's crazy to say that with the wide receiving core that was supposedly supposed to be, you know, what, what was going to try and carry this team back into the playoffs and – you know the overachieving and things like that, and it's just it's it's crazy how we it, it turned into, and I got caught up in it too because I try I I was like, there's no way the Giants are this good from last year, and their point differential was so absurd that they were still you know in the minus and having a <laughs> three games above 500. You're like, how is this possible? It doesn't the math doesn't work out here, and I think this is what you're kind of. Uh, finally seeing because once they drafted Evan Ingram I went oh man is that going to suck and then they added Brandon Marshall like all of this should have worked out and really Evan Ingram through two weeks is the only guy that you can really say wow this guy's this kid's really good and he's really helping their offense yeah and again like Odell Beckham Jr. he might not be fully there like he was on a serious snap limit this week when the news came out a couple of well actually last week he he sort of leaked to reporters I think by accident that his injury was supposed to be six to eight weeks, yeah. which which we're now in that sweet spot of. It, it means that he might not have been back until week four. So he's probably not even 100% going into this game. So it, it's such an advantage, Eagles, when you look at just the Giants' offense and what they bring, which, again, is just absolutely nothing. 
So uh, before we move into the defense, we'd like to talk about Patreon just for a second because we're doing a lot of stuff on Patreon now. I'm doing an NFC East show, so talking about, you know, when Odell Beckham leaked the news of his injury. I was talking about that on The Beast, which is, you know, we're looking at the Giants, the Cowboys, and the Redskins. What are they doing every week? How do they look in the games? What are the stories that people are talking about? We give you all that kind of stuff. We also have the fourth quarter which is uh, just an extra, you know, bonus segment, whether it's something about the NFL or the Eagles. And, uh, you know, John, we got we got a couple of other goodies that I, I don't want to say yet, but we've got yeah. some things in store. we got some things cooking, and especially for this, as uh, Vince was explaining, the fourth quarter, we're going to talk about Jerry Jones. We're going to talk about Jerry Jones a lot because pretty sure, according to Adam Schefter, uh, he tried to get Roger Goodell replaced. So we're going to talk about that. And it's simple. You just go over to patreon.com slash BGN radio, get the NFC beast. You get Eagle after dark, which is also just our very loose, fun behind the scenes slash talking about our lives uh, podcast between all of us, uh, which is, uh, which is always around. That's not every week. It's more of a uh, bonus one, but fourth quarter in the NFC, uh, uh, NFC E show, The Beast, will always be there every Friday. So go check those out as soon as you're done listening to this fine program. Yeah, and if, if you want to support the show, like, I'm leaving my job. I'm, I've been a full-time producer yeah. at 94 WIP. I am Vince quitting. is gone. He's I'm, like, we're, he's officially the dude. We're, uh, we're tackling this thing. So, like, you know, every, every amount of support helps. And we've been noticing that people have been signing up. So we want to say thank you to them. Uh, for their for their, uh, the the new ones and the ones that have been with us throughout this entire time since we've uh, we've been here, it's it's fantastic. And I know that a lot of our Patreon guests who sign up to be our twenty five dollars subscribers are really pining for like the Dallas week, and uh, and we're gonna have uh, you know everybody continually on. Stephen Lee did a fantastic job when he came on. I know Carrie's dying to get on, and it's uh, it's an exciting time. Plus, we'll have. We're going to keep adding adding more bonus things to this as it goes along, too. It's a great time to sign up. Yeah, so uh, we hope you enjoy all that stuff. Again, BGN Radio, Patreon, get it together. Now, <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about the defense here for the Giants because the defense is something going into last year, it, it was a little bit of a question mark because we always hear the truism of, like, you can't buy a good team in free agency. Well, the Giants did that. Uh, when you bought Olivier Vernon, when you bought Janoris Jenkins, then and overall they spent, I believe, over two hundred million dollars, which <laughs> over two hundred million dollars <laughs> on a side of the ball. Yeah, uh, it's incredibly significant. And for the Giants, it's fair to say that it's worked. They have a pretty good defense, and what they've got going on so far, and this is with again the worst, really one of the worst offenses in the NFL. They're seventeenth in points allowed, so middle of the road. They're sixth in uh, passing attempts against, so people are trying to throw the ball against them a ton, and they're 26th in rushing attempts. So, uh, which is kind of surprising because they have a really good secondary. Like, when I think of the Giants, the first thing that pops into my head is the secondary. You've got Janoris Jenkins, who is an elite shutdown corner. Landon Collins is a top-level safety. Dominique Rogers Cromarty is a guy who's really developed into his own in the slot. And you've got Eli Apple, a former first-round pick just from last year. So it's a really good core. And so for the Eagles, like, what are your thoughts on the passing game here? Like, how does how does this work for you? Well, I, I, in, I mean, I still have a thing with Landon Collins. You know, me and ESP kind of fight about that all the time. Uh, and I also thought it was funny, by the way, that him and Eric Ebron got into a Twitter fight today because 
<laughs> Over I think, what? I think Eric Ebron called him a punk or something like he's a punk of a safety, <laughs> and he was saying that to whatever publication. And Landon Collins' quote tweet is uh, like, uh, well, just just go out there and be a bully. It's what we are. And, you know, you still didn't catch anything in between the hashes. And he left a 100, which which totally made me think of ESP because he does the hashtag 100. And Landon Collins did that. They're like brothers. They're like brothers already. It was very frustrating to watch. Then him and Ebron were going back and forth. It's like, yeah, whatever. Uh, Honey Badger was better. And Honey Badger is better because I, I like how Ebron just like named one of the best safeties in the league, by the way. You know, it's just like, oh, Honey Badger is better. Uh, but, you know. Landon Collins to me, and is, 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 is there's nothing that I, I can say now that is like, oh yeah, he's terrible, he's crap, he's whatever. He's a good safety, without a doubt. Like I think they found a perfect role for him. There was kind of a a, a back and forth thing uh, while he was getting drafted. Like I, I looked at, it, I was like, this dude can't cover it all. He, he, there's no, there's no way he's going to be able to play safety in the NFL. This is crazy. Like you have to at least be somewhat comparable with doing that. In his first year, he really, really, really struggled with it. His second year, they kind of put him in this that hybrid, you know, safety role like Deion Buchanan and that whole trend that was kind of starting in there. And now they they have him in a little more traditional sense of a safety every now and again. But let me tell you, folks, he can still get burnt pretty, pretty, pretty easily. He was out of position a lot of the times too. Uh, and and I think I don't know what the, what they would do specifically with him. I I doubt you would put him on Ertz. I think that's going to be a, a DRC thing, and you're right. I, I've, it's kind of been interesting to see his transformation from being, again, I, I think people got really upset with the whole Dream Team thing while he was here, and that's obvious. But DRC was always a really solid and good corner a lot of the time. It's just, you know, the disinterest with him also kind of goes up and down. And I, I'm, I'm, I think Eli Apple probably gets a little too much criticism at this point right now. I think he's been pretty solid so far, but the the one thing that blows me away is Janoris Jenkins. When you talk about spending money, when he came over from the Rams, I went, "What the? What in the hell are they doing?" <laughs> yeah, me too. I was like this is not going to work at all. And then you saw him go up and play against. Well, last year, phenomenal. Phenomenal year last year. Yeah. You're looking at it going like, how the hell did that happen? And I thought this was going to be a part of the overachieving process. To be like, okay, week one, they're going up against the Giants. Des Bryant going to make him eat his lunch. And Janoris was having none of that. Owned none him. of that at all. Owned him. In fact, Des was targeted nine times in that game. Janoris Jenkins, I think, was on him for every single target. Two catches. That's it. He dominated him. Absolutely. Took a touchdown out of his hands. Yeah, too. destroyed Des. Completely, and um, you know that's what I mean. This is this is another. It's a pretty tough secondary for Carson Wentz in the gang here again, and it it shouldn't make you. It doesn't make me feel like oh man, this is going to be almost impossible because uh, you know they're they they still pass on these guys a lot. They do, and and it's it's not like they're unbeatable. I I especially on the right side of the field, like I think they are good. I think against Eli Apple. I think Torrey Smith is a fantastic matchup for that. Or, you know, if they want to kind of go in between with DRC or whatever. Like, there are there are a lot of different different things that they can do. I don't think Alshon Jeffrey is going to be shut out or whatever. I think this is the same scenario where, you know, it's kind of a – it is an, another type of Marcus Peters situation. Obviously, I still think Marcus Peters is still one of the best corners in the league. Uh, but this is a really tough test for him and – and honestly, for for some of the offensive line too, uh, this is 
this this is a a definitely refurbished pass rush, which also feels weird to me as well because as the offense was trending down, the defense was trending up because of the two hundred million dollars that they pretty much spent on one side of the ball. Like JPP kind of found some former resurgence. Uh, you know, uh, Damian Harrison, aka Snacks, was uh, a big free agent signing, and that dude. This is why they don't run. That dude just is the middle of the offense. And guess what hasn't been great for the Eagles in the last two weeks? Yeah. Which we'll get into, too, with the, the whole switch in there. Like, that is, that's why they don't run at him. He literally can take up two bodies, and, and that's it. And he just shucks and chucks. Now, on the outsides, you know, you could probably, I would run at JPP. I would continue to do that. Uh, but that's why they don't run. I think it's, it, I don't want, like, obviously the secondary is not vulnerable, but it is beatable. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, this isn't one of those situations. Going in the last game, I was like, you know what? I want to see Torrey Smith. I want to see him deep. I want to see them challenge a lot with Ertz in the middle of the field. I don't necessarily feel that way this week. Um, and when it comes to the passing game, it it just can't be what it was with Kansas City. Ratio aside, it's just the idea of so regularly passing down the field, it opens you up to hits. It tires out your line because they have to pass protect for a longer amount of time. You become a little bit more predictable. And when plays go wrong, they can really go wrong. So I I don't like using the big passing game that much. I need to see a little bit more of the intermediate stuff. Uh, One of the things early in the game that was really great is they ran a pick play where Trey Burton went down. He picked two guys and got Alshon Jeffrey open on a quick slant. It was a great play. Those are the kinds of things that I want to see from the Eagles in the passing game to really take advantage of that receiving court. And the other thing is, you know what? And I don't think they really have done this all that much. Give me five wide receivers from time to time. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, one of the strengths of the Eagles offense now is the depth. Like, Nelson Aguilar is someone that I'm slowly, slowly, that's right, baby. Slowly starting that to clutch, trust. That clutch uh, tutty with uh, with that onside kick. Man. Yeah. So I'm I'm starting to trust him again. Then you've got Matt Collins, who I just absolutely love. I can't get enough of Matt Collins. So you're looking at this receiving core, and it's good. So if you're going to really test the Giants, use that size, use that speed, use those abilities. You have so many advantages as an offense because the, the corner's always reacting to you. The corner doesn't really dictate where you go unless it's certain option routes, and even then, you're going the opposite way. You're using their leverage to their disadvantage. So use those picks. Use those creative things. Screen game. You've got big receivers that can block. Use, let me see a wide receiver screen or two on the outside. Uh-oh. That's, dirty words, Vince Quinn. I know. Hey, I'm, I'm a man of dirty words. <laughs> and so I'm all for that. Like I, I want to see that from the passing game and more of just a balanced – uh, passing attack in terms of short, medium, and deep ball. Now, going to the run game, because that's the thing with this game that interests me the most. Like, the interior of the defense, as you said, Snacks Harrison is a monster in the middle of the field. You've got Dalvin Tomlinson, who's a similar kind of guy. He's a stocky, stout, run-stopping defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. So, in the way that the Eagles are pass rush, pass rush, pass rush, pass rush, pass rush, penetrate, let's kill, like, the, the Giants are... are in the middle, they're very stodgy, and then on the outside, that's where that pass rush comes from. That's that's where they're bringing the heat. So it's it's very traditional in that way. Now, when it comes to the the running game for the Eagles, like I'm so fascinated in it because the Giants' offense is so bad. Like if you can get an early lead, I would try to I would try to run the ball regularly 
early and often because my goal is to have it by the middle of the third quarter, by the beginning of the fourth quarter. I want that Giants defense dead tired. And it's going to take a couple of unsuccessful runs. And that's going to scare a lot of people because last week scared a lot of people. But run LeGarrette Blunt early. Run Smallwood early. If uh, Corey Clement, whatever it has to be, whoever Peterson chooses, and I'm going to trust him enough because the Sproles move last week was a great call uh, by him. It was a great adjustment. I need to see them tire the Giants early. I need them to be aggressive in that run game as hard as it might be, tire out the Giants, and and just strangle them dead on the field, basically. Yeah, I you know, we've we've debated this for a long time, and Vince, I'm, I think I'm finally ready to say that I 100% disagree with you. What are you kidding? What? What are we talking about? This is an opportunity to, you just said it yourself, intermediate routes, we haven't touched on their linebackers yet. You work the middle of the field. Why would you rush at a brick wall when you're having a guard changed to Chance Warmack, who suddenly everybody thinks, oh, it's going to be A-OK now, and we'll get into the politics of that because I think it's so weird. No, the the philosophy of this team is to throw first, score points, and run after halftime. That is always how it's going to work with this team, and you have to continue to do that. It is not abandoning the run. It's not doing any of that. You have to score points, and you have to put these guys away early and make their defense n- worth nothing, worth absolutely nothing. Because <laughs> if they're up by, if it's 14 to nothing, and you're heading into your third possession of the game, are you going to then slow down and hand it off? No. You want to go up 21 to nothing and give them the ball back again crush them, defeat them, make them never want to come out on that field again. The the key for this game is to make Eli see ghosts, get the ball in the hands of Carson Wentz, score three touchdowns, and then run it down their fucking throat from the third quarter to the fourth quarter and make them never want to come play in that building again. You damn millennials. No, um, <laughs> no like, I, come on, man. I, no, I, I think the running game is important, and you're right. The, the Warmax switch from Samalu is important, and I, I am concerned about that spot in particular. But the right side of the line is strong. You still have a guy that can block in Selleck. You have a guy that you can use it to your advantage, Where and this is one of the things, too. The Giants' advantage is that heavy set guy, and guys, I should say, in yeah. the interior. And B.J. Goodson, their middle linebacker, is really good, too. Really, really good. So that's Outside their strength. of that, though. But the thing is, you also have, like, Kelsey, we all know, is bad in those situations, but he is good on the perimeter. And so if they're able to move the ball to the outside here and there, Smallwood can do that, Sproles can do that. If you're able to run just off tackle occasionally with Blunt, I can understand that. Uh, I think that is something that's important enough to do. And the other thing is, in terms of tiring them out and, and wearing them down, something that we haven't really seen yet, and I would be interested in seeing more, is the no huddle. I would be fine with trying to tire the Giants out that way. In the first half, first quarter, yeah, you're like going, that too. no no huddle. You're just, all right, quick pass, quick pass, quick pass, quick pass. We're moving the ball. We're changing our receivers out because we have that depth, and we're going to keep throwing and keep throwing. And what are you going to do about it? And then if you get those points early, then you then you just turn it around, and then you're like, all right, now we're going to punch in the face, and, and you run it a couple of times and wear them down. But I, I can't just uh, – like the whole movement now of just abandoning the run and uh, it's not I, hey, abandoning anything. It is. It's, it's putting where the priority is. The priority of this football team is not to put it in the hands of the running back of whoever that's going to be. Well, because it's not the strength. Why do we want to keep going away from the strength of this football team? Like this is a matchup on matchup on matchup basis. 
Has nobody literally said, and I said this on the daily yesterday, and I'm going to say it again. The Kansas City Chiefs ran 15 fucking times. 15. They didn't. They, this whole narrative of like, oh, they kept going, they kept going, they kept going. They didn't abandon the run. They, yes, they did. They did the same thing. They ran the ball 15 times. It's a matchup situation. Got to get on to the next thing because, like you're saying, it's the Giants. It's a different team. You're not. I agree. You shouldn't just run out there and go deep. That's probably more their strength. If you stick in the middle, and I really like your idea of the up-tempo, and it, and it should be predicated on whatever the defense is doing, because if the defense keeps having success like we think it's going to, and you're wearing them out, well, then you're everybody's going to be happy because they're going to be running the ball by the middle of the, middle of the second quarter. You know, and, 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 and that's how you really wear them out through here. I don't understand this whole debate that's been happening all week, the correlation of, well, if you run it 25 times, then you're going to win football games because I can make the same argument back and go, well, if you throw it 34 times, you're going to win football games because that's the average amount of attempts that Doug Peterson has thrown in wins in his games. Listen, it it is it, this is not a running attack team. It never will be, and it'll all balance out in the end. It really will. Their, their totals last year ended up at the same as the Denver Broncos. The same. The exact same pass-run ratio. Aaron Rodgers threw 62% of the time. They won football games. They made it to the playoffs. It's okay to throw the football a lot. It really is. So in that Kansas City game, they ran the ball 15 times. 15. Did Kareem Hunt score on like a 75-yard run? Yes, he did. Well, there. Okay. So, so that's it? Because they saying. broke one? That's you got to keep running? Well, okay, we, look, There is no Kareem Hunt here. Here's the thing, because I don't want to get into the numbers of it. All yeah. I'm saying is it's the percentages. It's a passing league. Your average offense is going to throw it 65 t- 65% of the time. I get that. But for the Eagles, it wasn't close to that last week, and you need just because a little it, bit it, more it, balance. But, but it gets so skewed. It gets really skewed because of how the game ended up. It was working. It was working. The run was not working. Thirteen points. All right, but anyway, look, like I can't, I, I can't <laughs> against a really tough defense. Yeah, until, like, that's what I'm uh, saying. Until garbage time, they got that extra. But uh, look, all right, it's not garbage so, time if they had a shot at the possession at the, you well, know, the hail mary. It's not garbage time anymore because they had a chance to tie the game. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. All right, we're talking about the Eagles and the Giants here uh, as much as we're yelling at each other. Well, never. See, that's what I'm saying. All week, it just it's it's a frustrating thing to talk about for everybody yeah. because I want to just say this, though. Everybody thinks like it's, it's this thing like, well, we hate all the running backs and whatever. No, it's just you have to understand the situation of what's happening with this Eagles team. And I feel like... Uh, uh, just like Brandon said in his daily on Monday, that we're all taking crazy pills here. Like it's, it's a, it's a, yeah. It's you a, and him, you're both taking crazy it's pills. Mind blowing. It's both of you. Mind blowing. Anyway, yeah. So all right. So one thing I want to get out of here with the defense because we, you know, as we've been talking about the attack and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. The I mentioned him briefly, and it's just with every team, there's always there's always good players that other teams don't know about, right? Like for us, Jordan Hicks is that guy. Jordan Hicks is great. He makes plays all over the field. Uh, he's just he's just exceptional, but he's not a household name. He's not a Pro Bowler. And so, one thing I want to do in these preview shows going forward is give you a guy like that. And the person that I'd mentioned before, and the guy that you do need to know that you don't, is B.J. Goodson. He's the middle linebacker for the Giants. You're going to see a lot of him. He's a fourth round pick just last year out of Clemson. This is first year starting, so you might not have heard much about him. He was incredibly good in the first game. I mean, all over the field, sideline to sideline, aggressive in the reads and, and doing a good job there, shedding blocks. Here's how good B.J. Goodson is. He missed the second game. 
due to an injury. He still leads the team in tackles with mm-hmm. 18. Yeah. 18 tackles in a single game. So, I mean, this All guy... All over the place. He He's could, a playmaker. Yeah, he could do a lot of damage. It's a name that I would expect to hear a lot. And uh, if you don't know him, now you know. And with that being said, let's go to the picks. It's time to ring the bell. Here come the BGN Radio NFL picks on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Picks this week are brought to you by the Casino at Delaware Park. The Sportsbook at Delaware Park is open to wager and watch all of today's pro football games. Online at DelawarePark.com. Delaware Park is a lottery agent for the Delaware Lottery. Must be 21 to play. And just as always, the BGN Radio Game Day. uh, Also sponsored by Delaware Park from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. every Sunday morning. We talk about fantasy, daily fantasy, and all the gambling lines on the WIP Facebook page. So uh, be sure to tune into that this week as well. All right. Now, Barchi, uh, hit me with the picks. What we got first? Let us uh, head on down. Let's start with those foes of the Dallas Cowboys. They are going semi, well, they're going Midwest to Southwest as they take on the baffling, trying hard to figure out what is going on with that football team, the Arizona Cardinals. And get this. They are a three-point favorite. It opened at minus three. It stayed at minus three. It is Monday, or excuse me, it is Sunday night football. Do I oh, right? God. That's a, oh, that's a Sunday night game? Ew. It's, yeah, yeah. Ew. Yep. It's, Ew. It's, it's like that. It's in prime time. So, uh, will Dak Prescott bounce back? Will Ezekiel Elliott stop pouting and whining? Where are you going in this one, Vince Quick? Dallas is giving three points on the road. I'm taking Getting three points in a row. I, I I'm read, taking Dallas. By the way, it's Monday night. I, I was looking, oh, it said God, NBC it's worse. Yeah, oh, so Monday night. Worse. I apologize. Oh, Monday night no. football. Oh, we have to go Monday night to watch that awful atrocity yeah. that's going to be. Sure do. That game's going to be a blowout. I really think so. Arizona sucks. They've got nothing. That's a team that two years ago they hit their peak, and that was fun, and it was exciting for that year. It's over. It is so incredibly over in Arizona. The second David Johnson went down, where they were already a middling to bad team, they're now an atrocious team where Chris Johnson, who didn't even have a job, is they're going to be their starting running back next week. <laughs> and it's over. So, yeah, three points is not enough. Our Cowboys are taking that with the points even. I'm, uh, I'm not going to say that the Cardinals are over. Over. E- even though they, uh, you know, they had a tough loss to trade. They, whatever. They, they barely beat a Jacoby Brissett-led uh, Colts team in overtime. But I don't like him this week either. I think I think the minus three is is strong, and especially that it hasn't moved. Now this could move Sunday, so that's why you need to watch this on Sunday. I want to ring the bell, but I absolutely cannot. I'm going to stick with uh, the Dallas Cowboys in this one too. Let us head uh, back east and check in our uh, with our old friends, uh, uh, the Washington Football Team. Also, oddly enough, a three point dog at home to your Oakland Raiders. Three point dog. I, I see, and this is the west to east, east to west thing. Uh, I, I don't. I'm. I'm never a believer. And obviously, even though that they, uh, you know, kind of t- took care of business, I guess, in uh, in L. A. I don't like this matchup at all for Washington. I think Oakland's defense is going to be an absolute nightmare towards them. Uh, and I, for some reason, I still want to take Washington because I just th- there's too many home dogs this week. And for some reason, that's piquing my interest. I think that moves to three and a half uh, or maybe even four. I'm taking Washington at home against the Raiders. 
That I, grumble means something. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Washington. Wow. I don't, I don't I th- want to. I, I th- it's crazy that we're both on that wavelength, with, which makes me even more nervous. That is the Sunday night football game. So we get to watch atrocious Washington on Sunday, mm. Dallas on Monday. Uh, so we are in uh, lockstep with this. Then let's pick a fun one, a crazy, a crazy line, because okay. I love crazy lines. Uh, your New England Patriots. I don't know why I keep saying yeah, your. Don't like say, anybody's don't that. give me the Patriots. <laughs> I want nothing to do with that. The New England Patriots are a 13-and-a-half-point favorite at home against uh, the Houston Texans, uh, th- which is crazy to me because the over-under is only at 44. That seems absurdly low, which means this is going to be a lopsided football game, and I can't go against the spread there either. I think New England is going to win by two touchdowns. <laughs> They're clearly going to right? win by two touchdowns. Like that's that's the thing that's so funny about it. You've got a rookie quarterback on a team that has one good offensive player, and that's it. On on, on paper, they should have like four good offensive players between like Lamar Miller and Nuck and well, see, and like they cut. <laughs> and that's it. Like yeah. people a couple years ago are like, oh, Jalen Strong, he's going to be good. Well, he just got no, cut. He, I mean, can I just say that Walter Football back when he was getting drafted. Everybody, there was a bunch of like his little cronies that went to their practice facility to kind of watch him catch footballs. He dropped every football there, and they reported that he caught every single one. It's crazy to me how that happens. I think that's part of the reason why he got drafted during his private workout in Arizona. It's amazing to me. Anyway, well, yeah, sucks to suck, Houston, um, <laughs> it, and it's it's only going to get worse. They, they're clearly. Absolutely going to lose by at least 14. Yes. There's no doubt in my mind. No doubt. Uh, Well, let's pick uh, the most important one here. This was the nuttiest thing ever. Not nutty. It's just I think this is firmly public uh, money coming in because on Sunday, you know, the Giants played on Monday night. but That doesn't stop Vegas from putting out the lines. Giants were a a three-and-a-half-point dog. Eagles were getting that. It skyrocketed Monday night to six. And, and for most of these doubles. people, for most of these people, it just opened at six. But there were a lot of betting things that ended at three and a half. And then if you got in at three and a half, boy, oh boy, did you get a good deal here. Six point favorites at home here, Vince. That makes me feel great. It makes me feel good. And despite all of the jinxing that might go on, like I, I don't expect this to be a blowout, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was. And I think that the Eagles pretty much maintain control this entire football game in the home opener. Uh, you know, I, I think I in my mind I think they win by ten points. So I think I think six is is an absolute lock this week. Yeah. I would take it and not think twice about it. I mean really like there is nothing right now, nothing that signals to me that that the Giants even have a shot. I just can't imagine the scenario. I mean it takes a complete lapse from the Eagles. Like, the only thing is that they find a couple of ways to get Odell Beckham Jr. open creatively and they take advantage of a damaged secondary. If they're able to do that, which Schwartz should be playing everything to say that they don't, like, you know, let them chip away, let them do those little things. It, it, assuming that doesn't happen, like, they've, they've just got nothing there. I No, there's, there's no, yeah, this game is a complete <laughs> blowout. It's going to be fun as hell to be there. Absolutely. And, and it's it's a great win for the Eagles. They're 2-1. And, and we're going to be down there. Uh, this is the kickoff to, for every home game that we have, you can come hang out with us. Uh, we're going to be tailgating at the Jetro parking lot, which is literally right across from Lincoln Financial Field. We're going to be broadcasting live there pretty much the whole morning, right up until kickoff. 
Uh, so you can come and hang out and drink beers and do all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, I think Delilah's will be down there. Uh, there's a lot of other fun events and prize wheels and things like that. We're going to have a, a real, real fun time. A lot of the WIP gang's going to be down there as well. It's the Jetro parking lot. We kick things off really there, I think, at 8 a.m. We'll, we'll be down there this week and just rolling right through, and it's going to be such a fun time. So every home game will be in the Jetro parking lot. Yeah, it's going to be a party, and I, I want to start some uh, some fun chants like, hey, John, we should run. Hey, John, we should run. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Vince, you should totally run, but throw first. Hey, hey. I don't want to be like 1920s football. Like, I'm not running the wing T I offense. feel like I'm not, you're not saying that. I feel like there's a ton of people who want that, though. Okay, and, and, well, those people it, are nuts. It's, 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 it, yeah, I think it's a little, uh, I think it's a little crazy. 65-35. That's all I ask. I'm a, sim- <laughs> I'm a simple man, 65-35. And just remember, sometimes you won't get that. Sometimes it's got to be 70. And sometimes we'll lose and I'll be pissed off. Yeah, and that's pretty um, much how that – that's really the storyline of this. All the arguments this week, the Eagles lost. That's it. Yeah. We, we just like bludgeon things to death uh, and and do all that stuff. But, yeah. uh, you know, we, we didn't get too much into the to the Warmack Samalu thing as far as the, the politics go, but I did break that down yesterday on uh, BGN Radio Daily 25. So – Open that up, because I just real quick on that, Vince. Like, I don't you think it's weird that they forced? It seems like all this is forced. Like they forced Kelsey, right? Like Kelsey has to. Somebody made a decision where we're going to trade him. No, we're not. Jason Kelsey's going to stay there. We're going to move Alan Barber because we signed Chance Warmack. He, we want him to be the backup here. Oh, not only do we want him to be the backup, let's give him an extension after we just signed him to a one year deal. It's really weird. Let's sign Stefan Wisniewski to a three-year deal, but let's not have him be the first guard up if Isaac Sayomalo struggles. What is going on? Doug Peterson is not making these decisions. What I can decisions does he make? I can guarantee you that, right? Like there, like there is no way you come out and say, we're not going to pull a kid after one bad game, four or five or six or blah, 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 or whatever. Now, Yes, of course, coaches lie, they do all that, but not that blatantly. Like, how is one and five or six games that far off? That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, all coaches, all GMs lie, I get that. Not like that. Somebody, Somebody's doing this, right? Like, Jeff Stoutland made this call, not Doug Peterson. Something happened here. It had because to be this Stoutland. is weird. Had to be Stoutland because, yeah, the whole thing is so peculiar. Like, I look at the Cincinnati Bengals, right? They fired their offensive coordinator week two. And for them, their offense has been atrocious. Bill Laser. I can't believe it. How funny is that? Uh. Um, But, yeah, like, they fired their offensive coordinator. They're desperate. They have a lot of weapons. They feel like they should be better. That's fine. Samal is a second-year guy in his secondary position, and... He's only played two games. He was awful. I mean, really, really incredibly bad. bad. Yes, in that second game, not arguing that. No. So hey, I get it. But to just bench him that quickly, I I didn't think for a guy that was named the starter. By the way, basically his training camp started. Like there was no real competition for that spot whatsoever. It was his job, and we knew it. Yeah. To pull him this quickly after really one particularly bad start is alarming to me. And yeah, you wonder about the Stoutland factor. How much power does this guy have? I don't know. GM Schwartz? GM Stoutland? Like, look at the defense. There's nothing that it was out of the ordinary that's like, 
That doesn't make any sense. It, it is one voice, and I feel like the offense is four voices. It's Deuce, it's Stoutland, it's Reich, and it's Peterson, and it's muddled. You know, like it's not like one clear, this is what we're going to do. Jim Schwartz's defense, this is what we're going to do. Why does he have that power? Why does Doug not? It's baffling to me. I think this I think this is this plays into a lot of the the stories that end up coming up anyway, because that's what it looks like to a bunch of people from in and outside. Well, here's the other thing, too. Do you honestly think the chance Warmack finishes the year as the starter? No, absolutely not. Well, that's the whole bitch of the thing. Like <laughs> you there's no way. There's just there's well, zero no, ch- we, we can't say no way. No way. You say no way. I, I, I think there's a small chance. Hold on. I've, that is me putting my foot down. <laughs> there is no way that Chance Warmack is going to start this entire year left guard. It's not going to. And, and that's not saying because he's going to get injured. I'm saying because he will get switched for Samalu again. They're going to put that guy back in there. He's I bet young. You, nah, I bet They've you it's invested Wiz. in him. I bet you it's Wiz after this. I don't think they go back to him at guard. I think they, really? wait, I think they wait until Jason Kelsey is next. They like have to. They have to show that like Jason Kelsey is also bad. So once Jason Kelsey is also bad, Isaac Salamal is your center. Stephen Wisniewski is your left guard. All right. Well, because th- th- whoa, 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 whoa. this now this sounds like this is some like I'm sitting down to watch an episode of Game of Thrones and people <laughs> people have it written into the script that like all right we're gonna make this lineman look like crap and we're gonna replace him then we're gonna make this lineman look like oh no crap, no no not intentionally him, and then we want to ship him out of town not intentionally. I'm just saying because it seems like Jason Kelsey and Stefan Wisniewski don't get along from the outside. I don't know if that's true or not. But, like, when you call out your teammates last year and you say, like, I should be out there, it didn't seem like he's a part of the group, you know? Like, he's just kind of there. So I think there has to be some separation involved. And if they then, then when it's time... They will bring both of those guys in there if they need to do that. Okay, but yeah, I mean, either way, it, it doesn't feel great. Um, and I'm luckily you're going against Snacks Harrison, so he's going to be your problem in the run game and not so much the pass game. And that's that makes me a little bit more at ease here. But man, I mean, to make the switch this early with a guy so young that they had planted in that spot so early into the season, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's very strange. All right, well, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about uh, Kelsey a little more in the fourth quarter. Yes, we are. <laughs> Patreon.com slash BGN Radio. It's going to be fun. Have some fun with that. Uh, so you can find us there for the rest of the, uh, well, not the rest of the episode, but the bonus part of this episode. And We're going to be dra- breaking down exactly what uh, Jerry Jones was trying to do to Roger Goodell because that's, uh, that's pretty crazy, and I'm pretty sure me and Vince are going to disagree on some things with that too. Yes, yeah, so we'll get into all of that. That's for our Patreon subscribers again along with Eagle After Dark and The Beast and and other things that we have planned in the future. Just stay tuned for it. Uh fourth quarter is going to be for you people. It will be available for everyone just listening uh, as our non-subscribers. We appreciate you as well. I'm Vince Quinn. You can find me on Twitter at it's Vince Quinn. That's one word. And I'm with Mr. John Barchard. At John Barchard at BGN underscore radio on the Twitter.com. And so we are eternally grateful. Now, final thoughts, Mr. John Barchard, you're first. Final thoughts. Stop complaining about uh, running the goddamn football because they don't have the horses to do it. And just enjoy your potential franchise quarterback, Carson. Everything John said is stupid and I hate it. That's, (laughs) That's my final thought. All right. And that's the show. We'll talk to you next week.
So I'm 10 years old, and I'm at the puppy store, right? Just like we would go, we would always bug my parents to go to the Chinese buffet because every time we went to the buffet, we went to the puppy store. So so we went to the- Was the Chinese buffet good, by the way? Because I'm a yeah. big fan of Chinese No, it was buffet. pretty good. Like yeah. crab legs, uh, oh, yeah. like 20 different kinds of chicken, and yeah, I, I ate all of them I'm in. Uh, at least once. Yeah. So so we went to the Chinese place, so we could go to the puppy store. And I remember uh, there's this little Boston Terrier in front of me. It's just absolutely adorable. And it's in one of those, it, it's almost like a cubicle for dogs. You know what I mean? It's just like that little box with a couple of shreds of newspaper. And... This dog looks up at me, and I'm petting it, and it's the most adorable thing in the world. Big eyes, because it's a little Boston Terrier. And then after I stop petting it, it just turns around and gets a big mouthful of its own shit (laughs) and just swallows it whole. And I was like, oh, my God. What just happened? Like, how is this? I I never thought that that was possible. Like, I never considered, like... Oh, you know, something might want to eat its own shit. And then <laughs> and then like right after it does it, it looks up at me again like I'm gonna pet him. Yeah, so like, this ain't my fault. It was like, <laughs> yeah, no, like I sorry. It was good. I still want you to pet me. <laughs> yes. You know what's funny too is my my brother's dog did the same thing when my niece was potty training. And you have like the little squatty potty things. <laughs> oh no. So like she would take it she took a dump, right? She's starting to learn how to do that. <laughs> And they had a pug that would just run up the stairs every time she took a shit and eat it. <laughs> it would just disappear. They walked into the bathroom one day and they're like, where did it go? And they're like, no. Like, this dog won't even eat a, you know, a Cheerio. Like, it was against Cheerios, but it would eat shit. So what does that say about Cheerios? That's great for Cheerios. Now, I got it. Like, from the perspective of the parents, right? If you yeah. know that it's going to be a regular habit where, like, your dog is just constantly going to try to eat your daughter's <laughs> shit, you should just, like, you should just feed the kid nothing but corn. Just like, like, you just, <laughs> just, just the yeah, case. it's just the kennels, the, 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 the little kernels of corn come out and the dog, you'd be like, yeah, I don't know. It's just processed corn. Like, fuck it. Who cares? <laughs> At least, at least there's some <laughs> nutritional value at that point, right? Yeah, at least you're not. It's like, oh, uh, uh, where's the dog? Oh, he's eating shit. It's yeah, fine. Yeah. Don't lick the, oh. Uh. And there would be times, too, like when <laughs> you know, like they would run up down, and then like their neighbors would come over, and they'd start licking their face, and they're like, oh, no. uh, I can't tell you what just happened, oh, but you might want to go wash your oh, face. Oh, that's so awful. <laughs>